0: On today's episode of Locked On Canucks, a special weekend edition of Locked On Canucks, I open up Pandora's box about the biggest debate topic in Vancouver Canucks history. So stick around. It is going to be a banger. It's Locked On Canucks and it starts now. Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today, Saturday, June the 25th episode of Locked On Canucks. I'm your host, Justin Pooney. You can find me at Twitter underscore process sports. You could follow our show. On Twitter at Locked On Canucks. Of course, this is the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. I want to thank you for allowing, allowing for making Locked On Canucks today. We are free and available wherever services. So, as I mentioned in the open, this weekend, these two episodes this weekend are very, very special because I'm going to create or hopefully create the biggest debate in Canucks history. And that is which Canucks team would win a seven game series and be crowned the greatest Canuck team of all time. So there's been a bunch of teams, a bunch of teams from the last 51 years or 52 years now, but I'm going to narrow down to four teams. So how it's going to break down is there's four teams in today's episode. I'll pick the, first two against one another. And then I will pit the next two in Sunday's episode together. And at the end of each episode, they will I will crown a victor. And then on Monday's episode, in the final segment of Monday's episode, we will claim who the greatest Canuck team of all time is. So the four teams in chronological order, because that was the easiest way to do it. The 1982 Vancouver Canucks, the 1994 Vancouver Canucks, the 2003 Vancouver Canucks and the 2011 Vancouver Canucks are the four teams that we will inspect and magnify under the in this ep, in these next two episodes. Now you might say, "Well, what about this team that went on a nice run?" Of this no, no. The way I, way I broke it down is: which were the teams that were the most that had the most success in the playoffs? The team that you know had the most talent. The team that you know was most remembered. So what I came down with, of course, you had 2011, 94, 82. But the next team had to be the 2003 squad, the one that was supposed to go to the Stanley Cup final, which did not because they were up 3-1 against Minnesota and gagged it. But I still believe when you look back at the numbers that that team is one of the best Canucks teams of all time. Um, So they will be under inspection. But today we're going to go into the 82 versus 94 a winner tomorrow, 03 versus 2011 crown winner. Then on Monday's episode, we will have the final showdown, hoedown, throwdown on who the greatest, on, excuse me, which Canuck team is the greatest of all time. So without further ado, let's dive right into the 1990, excuse you me, no, know, 1981 82 Vancouver Canucks, a team that had a record of 30, 33, and 17 back when they had ties for 77 points in the Smythe division head coach harry neil this guy and roger nielsen as well they played of course in the pacific coliseum ranked 18th in goals for fifth in goals against they of course made the magical run to the stanley cup finals they were led By their leading scorer, Thomas Gradeen, who had 37 goals, 49 assists for 86 points. Stan Schmiel had 34 goals and 44 assists for 78 points. And of course, in net, they had Richard Brodeur, who played 52 games. Glenn Hanlon, who played 28. Richard Brodeur compiled a 20, 18, and 12 record with a 3.36 goals against average. Um, eight 893 save percent now you have to remember this was the early 80s where um it was the running and gunning of the early 80s and everybody um was scoring 10 plus goals a game um the way i see i see this team breaking down. so let's go backlog a little bit here so this canucks team came into the regular season um you know with kind of a disheartening uh, not the greatest of expectations Excuse me. Um, when you look back at the '81 season, uh, they finished third in the um, Smythe Division. Um, they did not qualify for the playoffs the year previous, but uh, you know Tiger Williams was there, 30, uh, 35 goals the year before, um, and they were a not they this team right here, this '82 team was the definition of a Cinderella franchise. So when you look at it. This was the, the, this was the early 80s when the Oilers were just starting to make their run. Uh, but this Canucks team right here was a very plucky team. They were physical. They had a lot of different things going for them. Um, but they were a truly, truly a Cinderella story. So when I look back at this squad, in the playoffs, they took on uh, the Calgary Flames. They defeated the Calgary Flames 3-0. They defeated the Los Angeles Kings 4-1. Now, the funny thing about this Los Angeles Kings team was that they did the Canucks and the NHL a great, great service. And I tell you that because they defeated the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, the Edmonton Oilers of 1981-82, which featured the likes of Wayne Gretzky, who had a whopping 212 points, 92 goals. Yes, that team lost in three games to two in the miracle on Manchester and essentially did the Canucks a great service by knocking them out in that playoff round now then they beat the Chicago Blackhawks where towel power was born another iconic moment in Vancouver sports history and sports history in general because everywhere you look now has towel power of their sorts whether it's uh, the Steelers with their rally towels or uh, wherever it became a sports phenomenon thanks to Roger Nielsen putting the white flag on the stick when they weren't getting calls, and that created a revelation in Vancouver, which spurned this team to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals where they faced the New York Islanders. Uh, Now, of course, the Islanders were in the middle of a dynasty. They had just won in 80, 81. This was 82, their third straight time there. And then they were going to go, of course, again, to win against the Edmonton Oilers the next year to complete the four straight Cups, one of the greatest achievements we've ever seen in probably sports history, winning four straight Stanley Cups. where uh, then they lost to the Oilers in the fifth one, and then we saw the Oilers dynasty take off. So all in all, we're looking back at this team. The one word that I would describe with it is, the two words I would describe with this team were Plucky and Cinderella. And they had a lot of... If that Oilers squad didn't choke against the Islander, uh, the Kings, excuse me, it might be a completely different story, Uh, but the Canucks were beneficiaries of that. They went through the Western conference at that time and beat who was in front of them and eventually got to the Stanley cup finals where they took the Islanders to overtime in game one. And of course it was a, they lost in that game and then they proceeded to lose the next three and lose the Stanley Cup in four. The first time the Stanley Cup was in Vancouver and awarded to the New York Islanders. But the biggest takeaway from this team and one of the reasons why they are on this list, not only because they went to the Stanley Cup finals, because they galvanized and they re-they sorry not re-ignited, but they ignited um Vancouver hockey on the map. Because before then in the 70s and the you know the 70s this team was an expansion team. They were you know building their way up trying to get respect. You know, trying to ingratiate themselves in the marketplace. They had a couple playoff runs in the 70s, but nothing of prominence. This was the first time where the whole city, the whole province caught Canuck fever, and it stuck. And that is why this team will always be remembered as one of the greatest teams of all time, because they, ign- they might have not have the best players. They might have not been the best team, right? They had a sub, by today's standards, a very subpar regular season, but they... We're a team and they've built in together and they, you know, they've caught lightning in a bottle behind Richard Bardu who played unbelievable in the playoffs of 1982 and basically led this team to the Stanley cup finals. Um, and although they lost the Islanders, they were always be remembered, excuse me, as a team that was just amazing to, for what I've heard the story, you know, catch on and, Believe but get by that's that about the 82 Canucks Cinderella story. But coming up after the break, we're gonna dive into probably everybody born before 19's favorite team, the 1994 Vancouver Canucks, who um have a very, very strong case to be considered the in Canucks history. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers, of course, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto part store to store all this, to stock all the parts you need. Why often endure seemingly pointless and intimidating questions like "Is your car this model or that model?" and wait while the counter person orders the parts and you gotta wait and you can see if they're in stock? When you have computers at home with access to RockAuto.com and on your phone, save time and money when using Rock Auto, which Excuse me, why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100 percent more for some parts for the same parts, excuse me, from a chain store or car dealership example? I had to get a new part for my car, and it was like 400 bucks uh, through the dealership. But Rock Auto, it was 220 bucks, which was amazing. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about a section box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, so mentioned the eighty-two Canucks, the Cinderella story that re- not reignited that ignited hockey mad fans in Vancouver, and we go to. Probably, from if you're born if you were till now, a lot of people uh, believe this is the greatest team of all time, the 1993-94 Vancouver Canucks, the team that finished second in the Pacific Division, seventh in the Western Conference, had a 41-40 three record. Um, they of course their general manager and coach was the iconic, iconic Pat Quinn, captain Trevor Linden, captain. C- Goals. Of course, they were led by the Russian Rocket Pavel Burray, who had sixty, yes, sixty goals that year. Um, Kirk McLean uh was named a all-star. This would be Pavel Burray was an all-star. Kirk McLean was in net. Um, and this team right here was coming off a season where they were uh, first in the Smythe division and they had racked up a great regular season the year before. Burray had scored his first um his first 60 goal season, uh, where but they lost in the Smythe division final to the Edmonton sorry, not the Edmonton Wayne Gretzky's former team, the Edmonton was, but his current team at that time. The Los Angeles Kings, who went on to go to the stand that year. Um, and of course, Pavel Bure, Cliff Ronning were uh, had great seasons that year, but uh, they came short, they fell short, and this was actually um, another year where you know the Canucks. Entering 93-94, expectations were high because they had won the, the Smite Division 3 and in 92, right? And they were kind of building something special, per se, where, you know, they were top teams in the league those two years. They had set franchise records those years for wins. And then coming into 93, expectations were high that this team should do well. And quite frankly, they had a subpar right where they didn't you know they had um there was the calgary flames who finished 20 no sorry 12 of them uh they had 40 now the canucks had 41 wins but they had 40 losses where the calgary flames had 13 ties so take that as you may but when you look at the western conference that year Detroit was at with Steve Eiserman, and they were just kind of building their special dynasty for the late 90s, had 100 points. Calgary was in the second seed. Toronto, yes, for all you people out there, Toronto was in the Western Conference at one point. Dallas, St. Louis, Chicago, then Vancouver, and then San Jose. So it was interesting how this season kind of shook down. They weren't, um, you know... At the top of the division once again, but when you look at the deeper numbers, they were had a similar amount of wins, just a lot more loss. So the Canucks kind of get into the playoffs in the in the seventh seed, and they take on the Calgary Flames. Now the Flames were three years, excuse me, five years from winning a Stanley Cup, and still had some very integral pieces a part of that team, such as Al McKinnis, you know Mike Vernon in that. Um, they had a Theo Fleury. They had some good pieces there still. And the Canucks, of course, were just coming off back-to-back Smythe Division Championships um, and had, of course, their own extreme talent of their own. So going into this series, it was going to be very interesting to see how it would shake down. And to the playoffs, we went where the Canucks opened up Game 1 in the Saddle Dome with a 5 nothing win. And then they proceeded to lose three straight against Calgary, which set up a Game 5 in Calgary, which was a monument, you know, it was the moment that ignited that 94 playoff run where the Canucks reeled off three straight um, overtime winners. You know, overtime goal by Cortnall in Game 5, Linden in Game 6, and of course, who can forget Game 7? Um, next to pa- uh, Alex Burroughs' Slayer goal, the Pavelbury Game 7 goal in overtime is right there. They're both the two, I would say, two most important goals in Vancouver Canucks history. Now, I, you can pick and choose which one. Uh, to me, it's always me, Burrows, because I grew up with that team, but I'm sure for everybody that loves 94, the Burry goal is right there. So the Canucks, of course, with the help of Kirk McLean's amazing, amazing save, uh, sliding across, stacking the pads, and getting the puck out, and then shortly thereafter, Pavel, uh, Jeff Brown makes the pass up to Pavel Burry, streaks in on a breakaway, scores, throws his air the Canucks win, go on to take face the dallas stars where they quite easily handle the stars in a second round series uh vancouver wins that in five games now that of course is when pavel burry elbowed uh notorious dallas um tough guy shane curla in the head which would have probably been a 20 game suspension in this nhl but uh, it was it was a different time back then so the canucks win that game and then Something that we will never see ever again until both teams make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. A Vancouver Canucks versus Toronto Maple Leafs series, which for me would have been absolutely amazing to witness. Uh, I think having a the country's two biggest cities going at each other with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, it'll be way bigger now with social media, the media coverage of the NHL, all of that. It would be a full-on civil war uh, in this country. West, you know, us in Vancouver who... I know, love to hate Toronto against you know the center of the universe, the Maple Leafs, all of that. Which, I admit, I've always dreamed of it, but I could never fathom what it would be like. And I wonder if it was like that the same in '94 when at it. But anyway, Canucks lose the first game in overtime, and then they proceed to win one, two, three, four straight, uh, highlighted by, of course, um, game five where it scores the goal in the beginning of double overtime sending the Canucks to the Stanley Cup Finals. The number one seed, the team that just beat New Jersey after Mark Messier guaranteed a win, the New York Rangers. And what did the Canucks do? The heavily favored New York Rangers, who were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the likes of Messier, Anderson, all those Oilers guys that left to go to New York were there, where they were there to break the 53-year drought, bring a Stanley Cup back. To New York, and what do the plucky Canucks do again? Another word about this team, plucky, but I wouldn't say they were as much of a Cinderella as the '82 team because the years previous, the, these team, those teams were a top team in the league that just fell short in the playoffs. This, this was the same core um, that Pat Quinn built, built after taking over in the late '80s after the whole '82. Ages and you know made some shrewd trade guys like Kirk McLean, Greg Adams. You know drafting Pavel Bure, drafting Trevor linda You know guys like Sergio Momesso, Cliff ronnie Bringing all those ancillary pieces together, creating a you know a a regular season powerhouse for a couple of years before, and that kind of had a you know subpar regular season to the years previous. But the same core was intact, and they weren't as much of a Cinderella, but they were kind of a you know seventh seed, lower seed, but. They were not as much of a Cinderella as the 82 teams. is what I'm trying to say. So this Canucks team goes to MSG game one. Kirk McLean absolutely stands on his head. Absolutely was the only reason the Canucks won game one, three, two in overtime. Same thing in the Calgary series, though. The Canucks proceed to lose the next three games and they fell down three, one. They go back game five at MSG, you know everybody expected the, the cup to come out of the casing. And it was going to be a party in New York and the Canucks lay the hammer down the Rangers and win six, three, and then they go back to Pacific Coliseum in game six. We're alive then, but from all the stories I've been told that building had never been louder, never has been louder, never will be louder. Um, there, apparently the vibe in that, in that game would be uncomparable. To anything at Rogers arena. So, what many claim the greatest game in uh, Vancouver sports history. The Canucks 4-1 at home against the New York Rangers in Game 6. Sending it back to New York June the 14th for a Game 7. Of course, Jim Robson's iconic call when Trevor Linden was crawling to the bench. Uh, you know, he will play. You know he will play. He will play on crutches. And then there's another iconic photo with Linden and Kirk McClain hugging after the game. Um, so a lot of iconic moments in that playoff run. All a Monday night at Madison square garden, uh, where the Canucks fought valiantly. They went down in that game and Trevor Linden put the team on his back and they fell short. Of course, Nathan Lafayette hit the post um, and the Canucks lost that game, uh, but they did not lose. They may have lost the cup, but they were winners to their city, to their province, to their they came home. Same with the 82 team. Both those teams had parades and celebrations after their Stanley Cup run. You know, I was saw on YouTube that there was a big uh celebration in 94 at BC Place, which I thought is kind of crazy considering you don't see that anymore in professional sports, really, where teams throw like celebrations for teams that lost, but I digress. Um, So when you look at this 94 team, they had fallen short on expectations the years previous, had a subpar regular season, but caught lightning in it. You know, it all came together for that core in the summer of 94. um, And they made another magical run where, um, again, fans all over British Columbia were, you know, enthralled. So, and quite frankly, when you ask a lot of hockey, fans. The 94 Stanley Cup final the greatest of all time, hockey wise. Um, So, the Canucks are a part of that. Unfortunately, they didn't. But that was the 94 Canucks. Explain the 982 Canucks. So, coming up after this last break, I'm going to tell you who the winner is and who will tomorrow's episode in the final. Stick around for that. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at betonline.net source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's nhl playoffs and major league baseball BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and scores and on onli- and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events sports, and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So, we are back. 82 Canucks went through Cinderella story, Stan meal, Harold Snaps, the iconic King Richard Bordeaux playing in that. And I wouldn't really say iconic, but during that summer, he was iconic. The iconic towel power was born. The beautiful yellow flying skating the beautiful flying V's with the skate flying skate on the, on the arms, uh, tiger Williams, uh, you know, kind of lucky that the Oilers floundered against the Kings versus the 1994 Canucks who, you know, two years previous were back to back division winners, subpar regular season, but led by likes of Pavel Bure, 60 goals, Kirk McLean, Trevor Linden, Cliff Ronning, you know, your Lume, Jeff Brown, who would win in a series. That's the question. That is why we're all listening at this point in the episode. But who wins? Who wins, Justin? Who wins? I will tell you. Without question, without further ado, uh, the 94 team wins hands down. They probably win in a four-game sweep. Uh, no disrespect to the 82 team, but when you have a guy like Pavel Bure, who scores 60-plus goals in a season, and an NHL that was evolved from the... 80s, where it was running gun to in the 90s, we started seeing the clutch and grab and the dead puck era be born. Um, this Canucks team under Pat Quinn, who let's face it, is probably one of the greatest coaches, greatest hockey minds of all time. No disrespect to Roger Nielsen, but Pat Quinn is in a different era. The way this organization was formed, that 82 team was kind of in, got lucky in the middle of a dysfunctional era of Vancouver hockey. The 80s was Other than that one summer in 1982, the rest of it was pretty dysfunctional. Or 89, where they almost beat the Flames in Game 7, where they should have beat the Flames in Game 7. There's no contest. This 94 team was so much better. So much, they had more, of course, better players, better team success. Uh, They went further in the Stanley Cup Finals. They went to Game 7 and lost by one goal, where that team was swept. Now take it, those Islanders teams were far greater than the... 94 rangers but it's it's obvious if those two teams were to play in a game um give me guys like linden Burray, ronning mclean and Nett over anybody in the 82 team if you were to stack up the 10 best players um on each side you would probably have six to seven on the 94 team over the 82 team and they would play a lot better so that one was pretty easy um I wanted to get the easy matchup done first. So it was quite evident that the 94 Canucks, um, would win this and they would win. So who will they face on Monday's final as the greatest Canucks team of all time for tomorrow? Um, sorry. I want to make, thank you for making Lockdown Canucks your first listen of the day. Tomorrow we will go through who between the 03 Canucks and 2011 Canucks will face the 94 team, uh, for the greatest Canucks title of all time. But now I want you to make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you on Sunday.